We are stoked to tell you about our first sponsor, Anchor. If you're like us and you want to start a podcast but have no idea where to start, listen up. So when we first decided to start a podcast, we were looking for a way to put your brain on weird out to the most people um, without having to do the most work. We are so happy that we found Anchor because they distribute our show to apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts for us. This means that our listeners can find us wherever they already listen without having to download anything new. Once you're ready to get going, just create an account and start recording. They have the tools you need to record and edit your podcast. You can even edit on the go from your phone. Anchor has everything you could possibly want, including free transition sounds and photos that you can use to build your show. Not only that, but you can start making money as soon as you release your first episode. The best part is that all of this is free. So if you want to make a podcast, go to anchor.fm and get started today. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. By supporting them, you're supporting podcasts like us, too. Your Brain on Weird is recorded in private homes in a state where marijuana is recreationally legal. This show's content is intended for adult audiences only. Welcome back to Your Brain on Weird. I'm Sam. I'm Jess. And this is a podcast about the paranormal, the occult, and also marijuana. It's a winning triple threat. Nice. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So let's just dive right into it. How are you doing this week? I'm good. Good. I had a great weekend. We hung out this weekend. Yay. And that we was did. great. I had a great fucking weekend. So thank you again. You're welcome. Um, thank you. <laughs> And then after I got home, I was stressed, very stressed for two days. And then this morning I had my second job interview at that place that I'm trying to get a job at. Uh, So that went well. Good. I'm glad. I hope, you know, hopefully that works out. I'd be very stoked. I'm not going to say what it is yet. Um, (laughs) If I get it, I'll tell people what it is. But I think it's pretty cool and I'm very excited about it. So, um, yeah, so I had that this morning and then I came home and I was like exhausted from being stressed out for two days Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm excited about what I'm going to talk about today. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Good. Yeah. And I've been, I've been drinking a lot of water because I've been like waking up every morning and my throat is really dry. We need to get a humidifier or something. Yeah. It's the season. I'm like, so yeah, I've been chugging a ton of water just because like, I feel like my throat is just constantly dry. So sorry if my voice sounds, I mean, my voice always sounds crackly, but sorry (laughs) if it sounds a little hoarse this week. (laughs) You know what? No, I'm not. That's just what, that's just the way I sound. Get used to it. Is this episode 30? You should be used to it, but yes. Oh, yeah. It's episode 30. Yay. Such a good number. Also, yes. Yes. Anyway, how are you doing? Um, I've been better. I, uh, had a migraine yesterday. (sighs) Um, so I, I, like, went to work and I, like, had, like, a little bit of a headache. And then I got home from work and then, like, full on migraine set in. 
So I, like, tried to, like, take a shower and sleep it off. And then I, like, woke up in the middle of the night. It was 3 a.m. And had to go... It's always 3 a.m. Throw up my dinner. Oh, um, man. So I didn't end up going to work today. And then we had to, like, go through the whole list of, like, oh, do I need to go get tested for coronavirus and stuff? But... <sighs> Because if you only I, have one symptom, then no, you yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah, um, and well, I guess fortunately, it's like something that I've been dealing with for a while, so my doctor knows about it, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, if that's it, then like, it's like, sorry, it sucks, but like, you don't have to go get tested or anything, so I'll be back to work tomorrow. Yeah, I read a while back that if you if you only have like one symptom or maybe two symptoms, you, like, probably shouldn't go get tested unless you are, like, pretty sure that you've been exposed. Yeah. Because it could produce a false negative for some reason. Yeah. I don't um, really know. Yeah, it was weird. I was, like, like, just, like, looking while I was, like, on hold at the doctor at, like, CVS in our town is doing drive-through testing. Mm -hmm. And I, like, clicked, like, the two symptoms I had, which was headache and nausea. And, um... I, like, didn't even qualify to go get tested from yeah, them. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. don't think they even let you go get tested yeah, if you they only don't have, eat. like... Yeah, so that's whatever. But I just, like, spent most of my days sleeping and... Well, that's good. Cuddling with my puppy. It was very nice. <laughs> good. Do you feel better now? I You I look like you feel okay. Better. Okay. Yeah. I, like, finally managed to eat something, like, an hour and a half mm-hmm. ago. So I'm feeling better from that. Good. Well, a good thing you stayed home. Yeah. I like. I felt really bad. I like. Ugh. Yeah, man. But it's hard not to. It's, it's hard not it. to feel bad. Yeah. So I'll be going back tomorrow, and uh, it'll be great. And that's how my week has been. <laughs> well, I'm glad you feel better. I guess. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. That sucks. I hate yeah. that. Have you at least been drinking water because of it? <laughs> so much. Yeah. So much okay. water. <laughs> I am so hydrated. Nice. Yes. My neighbors are being so loud. Yeah, the fridge decided to kick on also. Oh. Whoops. Oh, yeah, it's like literally right there now, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Whoops. We've talked more about doing our little room in the basement, and I was going to start cleaning up this weekend, but I didn't. So, yes. Well, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. All right, well... Um, are you ready for a story? I am so ready. My body yeah. is ready. Okay. I am very, I'm very stoked right now. Okay. <sighs> Where's my vape? Where is my vape? I need to vape first. Yeah, so I don't talk so fast. Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if I'm, if I'm a little high, I don't talk as fast. It's harder for me to like read yeah. <laughs> my notes, so... <laughs> Oh my god, completely, uh, only semi-related, but off-topic. Nick and I were watching, I don't know, something yesterday, and they were, like, interviewing someone from, oh, we were watching a school bus conversion, and these two people were in, like, uh, Wisconsin, and Nick was like, I don't, like, understand, are they just, like, this is mean, but he was like, are they just, like, dumb? Like, they're talking so slow and i was like nah man it's just people in wisconsin they just talk so slow or maybe it's the opposite people around here just talk so fast yes no that's what it is i'm telling you 
people from yeah. New England, especially like the Boston area, they just, I don't know. I mean, it's this, it's like, I definitely noticed like when I moved from New Mexico to Boston that people were just like constantly in more of a rush in Boston. Yeah. Like constantly yeah. more on edge and like, do this, I need to go here. Uh, so, so maybe that has something to do with it. Best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my teachers just talked to me so fast and I, my brain had to like catch up. <sighs> okay. Anywho, so. Anywho. So this is, um, (laughs) this is the original topic that was the reason why I originally wanted to start a podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Sam already knows what it is. This was going to be our first episode, um, but then it ended up being a ton of information, and I didn't have time to get everything I needed together before we wanted to release our first episode. Also, a bunch of other another bunch of other podcasts started covering it um, around that same period of time, and I didn't want to cover it at the same time that other podcasts were also doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, there is a History Channel show. This might give you a hint as to what I'm about to talk about. There's a History Channel show. I haven't watched it, but apparently, it is a little bit uh, dramatic, and it portrays some animal abuse from what I've heard, so I'm not interested in watching it. But this is Skinwalker Ranch. It's going to be my first two-part episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so this week will be part one. And then I don't know if next week you want me to do part two or if you want to do one in between. We haven't really talked about that yet. But my next episode will be part two. Sick. Whenever that ends up. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um Something to note is that most of this information is pre-2020. So right now, the term that they prefer you to use for a UFO is UAP. That's what you're supposed to use now. I'm going to use UFO. I'm sorry. That's just... I'm not comfortable using UAP yet. I feel like I would have just said UFO, UFO anyway. Also, everything that I looked up on this topic said UFO. So deal with it. I will. I will. <laughs> Last thing, um, my sources were thoughtcatalog.com, allthatsinteresting.com, Wikipedia, legendsofamerica.com, skimwalkerranch.org, Ranker, and a super long series by Astonishing Legends that I highly recommend you go and listen to after you're done with this because they go way more in depth. Their storytelling is honestly probably way better. So yeah. If you have 16 hours to go yes. to it. It's a long ass series. If you have a long drive or like... A 12-hour shift or something. Yeah. So, Skinwalker Ranch is also known as Sherman Ranch or UFO Ranch. Very creative. Okay, I've never heard it called (laughs) UFO Ranch. (laughs) Me neither. I've also never heard it called (laughs) UFO Ranch. I'm sure there are other ranches that are called UFO Ranch anyway. It's not very... Okay, anyway. It It is a property near the small town of Ballard, Utah. Um, It takes up almost 500 acres. And it borders the Ute Reservation. So um, something that I thought was very important that I talked about was Ute and Navajo history related to this. Mm -hmm. So the Uinta Valley Reservation was created for the Utes in October 1861 by executive order of President Abraham Lincoln. Later in 1882, the Ore Reservation was created, and in 1886, the two reservations were merged. So it's now the Uinta Ore Reservation. And it covers 4.5 million acres. Wow. Holy shit. Which is over 7,000 square miles, 
which if you're not from the U.S. is over 18,000 square kilometers. Oh, man. That's so much. Yes. So that's a lot of space, but I mean... There's probably not shit out there because the government has a way of divvying up the land to give them the worst parts. Yes. (laughs) There's that. And also, I mean, think about how many square miles the United States is. That's like nothing. Yeah. Compared to that, so... Um, but the Utes have lived on the reservation for 150 years. Prior to that, the Utes lived primarily in Utah, Colorado, and New Mexico. At one time, the Utes and Navajos fought together against common enemies. However, during the Civil War, some Ute bands joined in a military campaign against the Navajo. As a result, the Navajo were expelled from their lands and forced to go to a reservation in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. So that was called the Long Walk of the Navajo. Several years later, they were allowed to return to their homelands. However, the Ute now believe that the Navajo put a curse on them for their previous actions. So that is the origin of the Skinwalker story, is that basically the Utes betrayed the Navajos. And so now the Utes believe that the Navajos put a curse on them. That checks out. So local Native Americans will not enter the area of Skinwalker Ranch because they believe it is in the path of the Skinwalker. So I'm not going to try and read the Navajo translation of Skinwalker, but it translates into, by means of it, it goes on all fours. Oh. Kind of creepy. <laughs> um, the Skinwalker is a malevolent witch that can transform itself into any creature that it chooses. It's typically a four-legged animal, like a coyote or a wolf, but they can also turn into cows or crows. One account described them as looking like humans, but with dog heads and smoking cigarettes. Sometimes. <laughs> so pretty much anything they want. Uh, Anubis smoking a cigarette. He's just like, so. Yes. Yes. Another describes skinwalkers as large, black, hairy, humanoid figures that move very quickly. Kind of sounds Bigfoot Sasquatchy. Yes. Desert Sasquatch. And they're often described as having red eyes and they leave large tracks, like footprints. So skinwalkers represent the opposite of Navajo values, and they represent evil, basically. Mm-hmm. So where the Navajos have like um, medicine men, healers, and shamans, this is like the opposite of, of those people. Ooh. Um, and they take this extremely seriously. Uh, they don't talk about the legend with really any outsiders, and it's been that way for a long time. They don't believe that the skinwalkers specifically live on the ranch, but they hide out in a place called Dark Canyon nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, this is something that they take super seriously. Like this is like not a joke to them in any capacity. You can't just like walk in there and ask them about it. They won't talk to you about it. Hang on just a second. Okay. Internet connection is unstable. Yeah. Gritz keeps freezing. Sorry, Gritz. That's okay. Okay. I'll just deal with it then. It's fine. God damn it. It is windy today. It is windy today. It's probably it. All right. Well, if I lose you, I won't stop recording. Okay. Okay. That that would be best. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So skeptics obviously think that this whole thing is just a legend. It's just a myth. Um, But there are eyewitness accounts that say otherwise. So according to reports, skinwalkers have been seen in the area by the Utes numerous times sometimes near the ranch, sometimes on the road to Fort Duchesne nearby, mm-hmm. and various other areas in the Uinta Basin. Um, the ridgeline directly behind Skinwalker Ranch has been given the name Werewolf Ridge. And that is for reasons that apparently have been lost to history. Wow. Okay. It's just 
called that and no one knows why that's very good yeah so it's like did somebody like see a werewolf up there and then they were like that's werewolf ridge or is it just because i don't know i don't know they just saw a wolf and they were like yeah yeah that sounds more likely all right wait are there are there wolves native to this area yes okay i believe so no further questions your honor there are coyotes in this area i think yeah so now we get to get into the ufo reports in the uinta basin so we've kind of talked about this cryptid a little bit, and now we're going to get into UFOs. So um, you're very quickly, if you've never heard of Skinwalker Ranch, going to see that this is a lot. So UFO reports in the Uinta Basin can be traced as far back as the 1700s when Spanish explorers in search of the, in search of the Spanish Trail reported seeing craft in the sky at night. In the early 1900s, there was also an article discussing underground rumbling and explosions heard underground both day and night in this area. There were a few articles that I read um, from, like, I don't know, 1906, like, 1910 or whatever that were basically just being like, oh, yeah, everybody keeps hearing, like, these, like, crazy rumbling, like, mechanical sounds. We, like, don't know where they're coming from. And um, somebody said that it could have been, like, shifting of, like, tectonic plates or something. Okay. But I don't know why it would have sounded, like, mechanical. I mean, usually when tectonic plates shift, you also get earthquakes. And like, yeah, I thought you so. know, the plates don't just move around and make noise. If they move around, they like hmm. move around. Like you would feel it. I'm yeah. assuming you wouldn't just hear it. You would also feel it. Yeah. True. Hmm. So that's in the early 1900s. Uh, in 1944, there was a large silver globe-like object that was seen flying over Fort Chesney. And all of this stuff kind of continued to go on for the next several decades. Um, the reports numbered in the hundreds, and they varied in description. These included strange fireballs, huge aircraft the size of a football field, round, oval, cigar-shaped, triangular, some had glowing green lights, some had wavy red beams or colored lights. So it was just, like, varied reports of all different kinds of things. It's a rave. It was just a party. (laughs) Some witnesses reported seeing live beings in their windows, like through their own windows of their houses, um, or through the portholes of these like UFOs that they were seeing. So there's that. Uh, by the 1970s, the Utah Highway Patrol was receiving so many UFO calls that the troopers just stopped filling out incident reports. Wow. Come on, man. <laughs> of course they did. Stupid. So we don't really like have like a solid like record of it. Of course we don't. And of course, conveniently, this is when cattle mutilation reports started. Great. So I apologize in advance. I am going to talk about some pretty gruesome stuff. I'm not going to get into everything. There was a lot that I read that was bad that I'm not going to repeat. I will warn you before I say it. If you're listening and you don't want to hear about the cattle mutilation mutilation stuff, I don't blame you at all. <clears throat> anyway, Joseph Jr. Hicks, um, who actually recently passed away, rest in peace, Um, A retired science teacher from Roosevelt, Utah, investigated over 400 of these UFO sightings and mutilations. He often found that the UFO appearances coincided with the cattle mutilations. Ooh. So there's all this crazy stuff happening. And on top of this, there's also, fun fact, a giant snake that's said to hide in the nearby Bottle Hollow Reservoir. Okay. So we have another body of water that has a snake thing in it. Is it just a really big snake? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, That's cool. what I read. That's what I read. It's just that it's just a huge snake. 
there was also an unnamed witness that claimed to have seen a giant squid in the same body of water. So. What? <laughs> okay, wait. What was it called? A giant squid. Oh, no. I meant the body of water. I'm sorry. Oh, Bottle Hollow Reservoir. Bottle Hollow. Bottle. In Astonishing Legends, they talk about it a little bit. It has, like, kind of an interesting history. Bottle Hollow. Um, I guess that it's where, um, I don't know if, like, miners or something... That's where they used to throw their empty, like, bottles. Oh. And so that's what that's why they called it that. And eventually they emptied it out and filled it with water. I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty cool uh, thing, I guess. Fun fact. Sorry, I just want to know how big the reservoir is. Oh, here we go. That's fair. I'm also curious about that. So, the surface area is 390 acres. Okay. Max depth is 102 feet. Ooh. And volume capacity is 12,100 acre feet, which I don't know what type of... <laughs> I don't know what type of measurement that is, so... I, I was going to say I'm not really sure what that... The depth is interesting, though. Yes. I mean, actually, I was thinking 102 feet is not very deep. I guess it's not in reality. In reality. It's big enough for, it's big enough for like, something to be able to hide, though. Yeah, like a giant snake. I'm not sure about yes. a squid... Other, uh, the primary <laughs> fish species that live in this reservoir are brown trout, largemouth bass, rainbow trout, smallmouth bass, and yellow perch. Ah, uh, yes. I so. used to fish for rainbow trout with my dad in Utah, actually. That's cute. <laughs> Robin! She's having nightmares in the kitchen. Oh, poor baby. All right. So that's all you into basin stuff, the history of it, all that stuff. Now we can get into specifically what happened to Skinwalker Ranch. So from 1905 to 1994, Skinwalker Ranch was owned by the Myers family. The property at first consisted of a few small buildings on the northwest corner of the ranch. Later, they abandoned the original homestead for whatever reason and established a new home on the east side of the ranch. Um, keep in mind, this is five, a 500-acre ranch, so they have like a lot of space. Kenneth Myers passed away in 1987, and Edith Myers remained on the property alone until her death in 1994. This is the key thing to remember. They did not report any strange occurrences during their occupancy. Okay. This entire time. They were there for, like, pretty much, like, almost 100 years, like 90 years. Um, and that entire family did not report anything. However, their neighbors did. Oh, they were just like, we're not having any of this nonsense. That, I guess so. I don't know. And that's, like, the interesting part. Because we're going to get into this and you're going to be like, how did nothing happen? So the Locke family lived on the west side of the property. This was in the early 1900s. And they reported uh, a bunch of strange stuff. One report said that there was a stranger that arrived out of nowhere. He was wearing time-appropriate clothing, but underneath it was a, quote, dazzling blue one-piece outfit. Ooh! So he's wearing normal clothes, but then, like, I, I don't know if he, like, this guy, like, saw, like, a little bit of the, like, shimmery, like, jumpsuit he was wearing or whatever. Um, but apparently he, all he did was he asked for some water uh, he had a pretty long conversation with this family in their house. Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently during this conversation, he told them that there was an area on the property that they shouldn't dig at. Like, they shouldn't do any digging. And then he just left. Oh. And so 
the Locke family reported that because that was like kind of weird. And then in 1930, Christopher Locke reported that a cattle mutilation had occurred on the ranch. Wow. So this entire time, their neighbors are like seeing all this weird stuff. Or Interesting. are experiencing weird things, but the Myers never said anything, I guess. So in 1994, uh, whatever member of the Myers family, I can't remember who it was um, that took over, but he sold the property to Terry and Gwen Sherman. So that's where Sherman Ranch comes from. Um, that's not their real names, by the way. I, I know what their real names are because there are some articles that do use their real names, but I prefer to just, I mean. Yeah. Unless you listen to Astonishing Legends. Yeah. Astonishing Legends use uses their. But that's because they talked to them, right? That's true. Yeah. They did, I think. I think they talked to a family member. Yeah. So yeah. So that's not their real names, but they purchased the property in 1994. They moved in with their teenage son and their 10-year-old daughter. Uh, when they moved in, this is weird, they found deadbolts on all of the doors and windows, even on the inside. So it wasn't even like they were locked from the, like, on the inside they were locked. Um, and some of the cabinets also had locks on them. All of them. Literally all of them. Yeah. Whoa. Like, why? There were also a bunch of really big chains outside that looked like they were made for, like, restraining large dogs. Woof. On top of that. The day that they first moved into the house, everything automatically started. Um, The family saw a huge coyote or a wolf in one of their pastures that was making its way to a livestock pen on the first day. This is kind of sad. It grabbed a calf in the pen and attempted to pull it through the bars. So naturally, Terry and his son started beating the wolf um, to try to get it to release it. And when that didn't work... Terry told his son to go get his 357 Magnum, and Terry came out and shot it at close range. But it was still holding on to the calf at this point, so Terry shot it again, and it just calmly released the calf from its jaws and turned and kind of like looked at them and just walked away. Um, there were no signs of blood or injury. It didn't even like wince when he got, like when he shot it or anything. How big of a gun is a that one that you just said? I don't know shit about guns, okay. first of all. <laughs> but when I listened to the Astonishing Legends episode, Forrest and Scott, you know, they know a decent amount about guns. And they were talking about how that's a really powerful okay. thing to shoot some, yeah, to shoot something with. Um, and that it's like very surprising that it would do absolutely no damage. Woof. Okay, cool. Yeah. And a lot of, even like a lot of the articles I read were like made emphasis that it was a 357 Magnum. So after this wolf just calmly like walks away, Terry and his son are like, we're going to follow it. So they followed its tracks for about a mile and suddenly the tracks just ended. They were just like, okay, well, went back home. <laughs> so that was fun. There was another occasion later on when the Shermans saw a hyena like creature that was attacking one of their horses. And as Sherman approached the animal to get it to run away, um, it just vanished. What? Wow. I've never heard that before. Holy shit. That was a new one. Yeah. Yeah. That was one that when I was doing the research, I was like, oh shit, I didn't hear about that one. Oh my God. Um, And apparently, yeah. Yeah. Like literally just vanished. And he was like, what the fuck? Um, And apparently he checked the horse and it had claw marks like on its legs. Okay. So he's like, obviously I wasn't imagining it. 
And apparently a few months later, there was a neighbor that reported seeing, like, a weird hyena-like thing on their property. Weird. So their animals are getting attacked by weird things. Huge. Okay, that that wolf also, by the way, was apparently, like, massive. Mm -hmm. And apparently they were like, why the fuck is there such a huge wolf in the middle of Utah? So there's all that. And now we get some UFOs. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Back to aliens! Aliens! Um, so, <laughs> during the course of 15 months, Terry and Gwen, their teenage son, and their 10-year-old daughter all claimed that they had seen three specific kinds of UFOs. There was one that was small and boxy and kind of looked like an RV. I remember I, I, uh, I read or heard a story that Terry and his daughter were outside and they saw, like, two red lights that were on their property. And so Terry was like, oh, it must be some guy in an RV trying to camp on my property. And so they started walking towards it. And all of a sudden, the quote RV thing started like lifting up off the ground and just like flew up above the trees and like went away. Yep. Do you remember hearing that one? Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So there was that one. (laughs) Um, There was also another, there was another UFO that was apparently like 40 feet long. And then the third UFO was like literally enormous, like apparently the size of several football fields. And there were multiple people that saw this. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I think that was in the documentary. Yeah. I think that was yeah, in the yeah, Hunt yeah, for yeah, the Skinwalker yeah, yeah, yeah. documentary. They interviewed somebody who saw it. And he was like, this thing was fucking huge. Yeah. They they interviewed a couple people like from the town mm-hmm. who saw that and like, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah. They're... There was also, this kind of started, like, pretty much immediately. They were seeing, like, stuff in the grass. Like, there was something they called it crop circles. But it wasn't, like, huge crop circles. It was, like, you know, three circles kind of in a triangular shape that were spread, like, 30 feet apart apart from each other, just, like, in their grass. They would find other just, like, circles that were, like, deep. Like, one to two feet deep. They were, like, maybe, I don't know, like, three, three feet wide. And they were perfectly flat in the center. Like, the dirt in the middle was just, like, perfectly flat and they would just like go outside and be walking around they'd be like what the fuck is this (laughs) um there was another time that the family described their fields as being lit up by quote stadium lights actually i think there were multiple times that they mentioned that their whole entire property like outside at night Mm -hmm. it would just be like sunlight all of a sudden it would be so bright they would hear the sound of machinery operating underneath the earth Mm, bringing that back yes so That was happening, apparently, in the early 1900s, and it was happening again. And then, oh my god, seriously, this is literally everything. Uh, Poltergeist activity. Oh yeah, that's my favorite part about it. Because, like, all this shit is going on, and then, like, inside their house. You're like, alright, cryptids? Okay, cool, neat. Aliens? Oh, alright. Poltergeist? Why? How? What? (laughs) And this is, like, poltergeist, poltergeist. Like, okay, so... Gwen Sherman claimed that one time, or no, multiple times, sorry, multiple times, she had come home with a ton of groceries, completely unpacked them, put them into their cabinet, put them into the fridge or whatever, and then she walked away, went to go do other stuff, and she would come back into the kitchen later, and all of the groceries were back in the shopping bags on the counter. And I remember reading something that said that Gwen and Terry would argue about this because Gwen was like, "What? this isn't funny. Like, what kind of prank are you trying to pull on me? Like, stop fucking putting the groceries back into the bag. And he's like, why would I ever do that? 
and like things would go missing and they would argue about that because like Gwen legitimately thought that Terry was like playing a prank on her. Yeah. And then it started happening where Terry's stuff would go missing and Gwen was like, no, look, your stuff is going missing now. There was a hairbrush that was normally kept on the bathroom counter that they found in the freezer, (laughs) which was the one thing that I was kind of like, okay, I've done dumb stuff like that. Yeah, where you're just like brushing your hair and walking around first thing in the morning and then you like go and get some ice for your coffee and then you like put your hairbrush in the freezer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although these people probably aren't high. <laughs> well, so. that's why I said first thing in the morning. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt that okay, they were getting true. up at like 4 a.m. to go look after the cows. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So that one is one that uh, that could have been them. Um, but there was also just like items that would disappear and they would reappear later. Disembodied voices, too, in their house. Oh, good. Objects would fly off of walls. Like, standard poltergeist shit. Yep. This one creeps me out because I think it's because it was, I think it creeps me out because it was outside. So there was one night while Terry, you're going to remember this one, this one, Terry was out in the fields with his dogs and he was just walking around and all of a sudden he heard two voices that sounded like, sounded like masculine voices speaking in a language that he didn't know. And He's looking around. He's like, where are these guys? And they sound like they're coming from 25 feet above his head, like just in the air. And his dog freaks out. That's the other thing is his dog was like, what the fuck? Is that the time that his dog wandered off and then got vaporized? Yeah. We'll get into that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So again, if you're not, if you're not okay with this stuff, oh yeah, I'm about to get into cattle mutilations, actually. (laughs) If you're not okay with this stuff... Just skip, skip it. ahead it's okay. a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to get into some of the really bad stuff. So um, at one point, there was a family or there were seven of the family cows that either went missing or were found dead. The ones that went missing would basically vanish into thin air. Like they would track their hoof prints into a field or like into the brush and they would suddenly stop. There was one instance where it was, like, in the snow. Like, they were tracking it in the snow, and the footprints just stopped. Um, Like, it had just been lifting, like, the cow had just been lifted off the ground. (laughs) And there were a couple instances, or there was one instance where the ground was, like, littered with broken twigs and branches after this happened, and the tops of the trees were, like, chopped off. Oh, weird. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Low-flying cow. (laughs) Oh, Sorry, buddy. I, you know what? I'm gonna tell myself that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, you know, I'm sick of this farm. I'm going somewhere else, and they just book it into the field and just like launch themselves into. Ah, the, uh, didn't get a good enough takeoff. Accidentally hit some branches. Whoop whoop whoop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. But uh, in reality, the cows that they would find that were dead were always wounded in a very oddly surgical precise, bloodless manner. So, like, there would be clean wounds on the cow, but there would be no blood anywhere. Um, I hate this one. I hate this part. Uh, there was a cow that had a hole cut in the center of its left eyeball. Oh. Like, drilled through the center. But it was otherwise, it was fine. Unfortunately, it was no longer alive. So that was one of the things that, I guess... 
that happened twice. Uh. There was another cow that had the same thing, the hole in its eye, uh, among other conditions that they found the cows in. Um, but every time they found, you know, the bodies, there was always a weird, like, chemical smell that was always, like, present in that area. So that's strange. Yeah. The very last cow that they lost had been seen alive by Sherman's son just five minutes before it disappeared was another thing. So the stuff, this was happening quickly. So if somebody was coming out and doing this stuff to these cattle, they would have heard, they would have seen something and it was just happening extremely fast. So that's terrifying Mm -hmm. and I hate it. Mm -hmm. I'm done talking about that. Although Terry Sherman did say, okay, he said, quote, We've seen the UFOs enough, and we know pretty much what the craft look like, and I think it's definitely associated with the cattle mutilations. When we see the crafts and then the cattle, we have problems. There's been a lot of cattle mutilations, and a lot of them aren't reported. Several ranchers told me that when it ha- when they had it happen, they called the authorities and they couldn't do anything, so it was a waste of time and effort. Yep. So they were losing their cows. There was nothing they could do. Yeah. That fucking sucks. Yes. All right. And then, uh, let's see... Getting to our last piece of phenomena that the Shermans experienced, and that was the portal. Yes, I love the portal. Our favorite, the portal. So there are a few claims that people have encountered a blue or orange portal that hovers about 500 to 1,000 feet in the air, and it stays open for about 10 seconds at a time. Um, I remember reading one story where they le- somebody legitimately saw a wolf come out of the portal. Um, and the theory is that that's how all of these things, beings or whatever, have been entering and exiting the ranch is through this portal. So whether it's like Bigfoot or a UFO or like, I don't know, a bird. A weird bird yeah, from, a weird like, bird. another country. Literally anything. Because yeah. that was one of the reports. One of the reports was they were like, we're seeing these, like, crazy exotic birds that, like, don't exist around here. Weird. Yeah, so that was another thing. Ew. There's also an entity that they kindly named the Dark One. Ooh. That is rarely seen, but they speculate that it's possibly a Native American shaman who might be trapped in an alternate timeline. Oh, holy shit. That is a theory. Or possibly they are the one that is opening the portal. Oh, okay, cool. Which I like that idea better. Yeah. So yeah, so that's the portal. I love the portal. So the big belief is that that's how these things are getting to Skinwalker Ranch, I guess. So the final straw for the Shermans was, you're going to guess, they were outside with three of his dogs, And he saw this blue orb that was flying around the field near his house. And he told his dogs to chase it. So his dogs ran after it. And they're running around and they're barking at this orb. And they follow it into the brush. And Sherman loses eyesight of him or eyesight of them. And then he hears three yelps. And when he calls for them, they don't respond So he can't find them. It's dark out. The next morning, he goes out looking again for them. And he finds three round, greasy lumps. And what appears to be a scorched spot in the earth. 
Um, so needless to say, he never found his dogs. But one can heavy- heavily speculate what happened. Yes. Sometimes you just get vaporized by a blue orb. Yikes. <sighs> Yikes. 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 So after two years of all this shit happening, the whole thing with their dogs happened, and they said, nope, we're fucking out of here. And they left in 1996. Wow. Good for them. Which, okay, the really sad thing about that is that this is a family that their livelihood relies on their cattle. And in those two years, they lost 20% of their cattle to mutilation. And apparently the Shermans were extremely good ranchers. Um, They had a very you know, low percentage of cattle that they lost. All of their cattle were very healthy. Um, so, like, this whole thing pretty much just ruined their livelihood. That's nice. Um, and they could never find an answer for it. Um, so I don't fucking blame them for leaving. But over those two years, the Shermans and their neighbors reported seeing a number of strange animals in the area, including exotic multicolored birds, like I said, that were not native to the region, and tall, dark beasts that resembled Bigfoot. People in the region adamantly believe the Shermans and their claims. However, we have no concrete evidence of any of these accounts. There are some pictures and some videos, apparently, that um, certain groups of people, which I'm going to get into in part two, have, you know, they have, and or they've seen, but... <laughs> Out of all the research I've done on this topic, I have yet to see something that is convincing. You know, you can say, here's this crazy weird orb of life, orb of light in the sky. I'm looking at that and saying, you're taking a picture of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. So that's kind of sad and that hurts my soul. Also, apparently the day they moved out, Terry and Gwen woke up with, quote, scoop marks on their right thumbs. What? Like cuts, like scoops in their skin. Ew. Ew. They Ew. were like an eighth of an inch deep. And they both had them and they were on their right thumbs. Gross. That was the day they moved out. <sighs> so the ranch was like, here's one more thing for you. Bye, <laughs> Bye bitch. <laughs> Bye. Uh, on June 30th, 1996, the Deseret News out of Salt Lake City published an article detailing the struggles of the Shermans and the UFO activity that was plaguing their home. So this is where things start to spiral. I'm going to say that. There's also an investigative journalist named George Knapp. You might recognize his name, who published an article in the Las Vegas Mercury as a series. Um, So these two things was where everything just like blew up. Of course, the media, like every single fucking time you publish something in the paper, you make a documentary about it, everyone's going to freak out. Mm -hmm. And... Both of these things described a number of phenomena, which I will list to you now. So they described crop circles, hearing voices out of nowhere, inanimate objects moving before their eyes, UFOs, strange birds and animals, among other things. I also found a list on skinwalkerranch.org of entities that have been seen, which I will read to you now. So we have the spotlight, flash drones. Invisible Chopper. Invisible Chopper? Invisible Chopper. Mini Stealth, which is apparently just a very small stealth plane. Bulletproof Wolf. 
which we were previously yes. <laughs> previously introduced to. Um, firefly sprites. I don't know what's up with that. I also don't know what's up with water babies. Oh, what is a water baby? I don't know. Or um, singing angels. We also have glow birds. Orange football, which is just a football, I think. Okay. Oh, my favorite is sentient mist. And then we have the portal. Night whistler. We have the controllers, which were the two people talking. That's what they named them, was the controllers. And then we have the traveler. We have the dark one again. And then we have little girl. That is very creepy. Little girl. Ooh, okay, okay. Um... So, apparently, there is an urban legend about Native American water babies. Wow, okay. So, a water baby is a spirit, a ghoul, or a monster. Most of them agree, however, that a water baby is a Native American-bred urban legend of a small, childlike creature living in the water of reservations around the western United States. Oh, okay. They're seen as tricksters, but also murderers. Wow. And eat human flesh. Dang. Okay. So, they're just babies. That swim around Scary, and eat people. terrifying babies. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thanks. Hmm. Oof. <laughs> Man. Anyway, uh, so that was the list. I'm not going to go into all of them. I don't really want to know about Little Girl. I also um, don't want to know about that. <laughs> but Terry Sherman said, quote, You talk to a lot of people around here that at one time or another have seen something they can't explain. For a long time, we wondered what we were seeing if it if it was something to do with a sob with a top secret project or something. I don't really know what to think about it. So Terry has been interviewed multiple times, and he is just like, I don't fucking know what's going on. But we had to leave, and that's that. Uh, my last fun fact for you is that there is a second Skinwalker Ranch Ooh. in Connecticut. <gasps> that's so close. The fun part is that it bears resembles or it bears similarities to the Utah property. The family that lives there has claimed to have seen UFOs. They've seen ghosts. And there's a ghost hunter named Paul Eno that claims the location is, quote, a genuine crossroads of the multiverse. He says that all types of humanoid and non-humanoid creatures seem to be, quote, sharing the same physical space, but within their own parallel worlds. Wow. That is very cool. Yes. And I think that's a very good way of explaining how... Keep in mind, this is only part one. There is a whole other part two I'm about to tell you. And that pretty much, that quote explains how I felt when I first heard this story. And I'm very curious, people who listen to this episode, as to what you guys think at this point. Because once I get into part two, I think you're going to find that your opinion is going to change a little bit. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I need to kiss my dog. You do that. I'd be very sad if you got vaporized, Ruben. Oh my god. It was like, oh, the last straw was when he lost his three dogs. And I was like, yeah, yeah. That would also be mine. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, man. That is just that's Not the arguing so with sad. your wife about where you put the hairbrush or anything. or My poor puppy, though. The poor puppy. <sighs> Sorry, I keep yawning. Whew. Okay. That is okay. I Wow, I never had caffeine today. I guess I should do that now. Before it gets too late. Before it gets too late, as it's already seven o'clock. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> it's fine. Aww. I don't need to be on I don't need to be on a sleep schedule until I know for sure that I've gotten this job. That's fair. So. 
Well, good. I'm excited. I hope you get the job. Oh my god, me too. Well, shall I brighten your day a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, for education this week, we're going to some uh, current news because Ooh. federal marijuana legalization is getting a congressional vote next week. Oh, yeah. Yes. So this is in the United States. Fuck yeah. Sorry, everyone outside. Unless you already have it legalized, then I'm not. Um, <laughs> so, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, a Democrat from Maryland. Sorry, I was trying to think of what MD stood for. Um, oh, <laughs> same. The chamber will take up the marijuana opportunity, reinvest in an expungement, or the MORE Act, sometime between Wednesday and Friday of this week. Wow. So so when this gets released, it'll already be... Yeah. Um, so the bill is first expected to go before the House Rules Committee, which prepares legislation for floor action and decides which amendments can be made in order for consideration by the full body. This was supposed to be voted on in September, but the plan kept getting... The plan kept being pushed back by certain centrist Democrats, which... That's a th- some shade. Worrying about advancing the politics of cannabis before passing another coronavirus relief package. Oh. Hmm. So this is getting voted on this week, and they forced Congress back in session yesterday to pass some sort of coronavirus relief thing. So oh, I thought that was kind of fun. Good. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it passed or not. I don't remember, and I didn't look it up beforehand yeah so i'm sorry but that's okay. it's fine well here let's see so the representative from oregon has been working on this issue um longer than any other person in america and he confidently says that the more act is the most comprehensive federal cannabis reform legislation in u.s history and he does focus on reform hell yeah because basically uh national support is at an all-time high and almost 99 percent of americans live in states with some form of cannabis legalization just because of Mm -hmm. you know population um hot spots and like things like that so i thought that was pretty cool yeah that is really cool so that's something to uh look forward to hell yeah yeah i love that yeah so we will see what happens later this week hell yeah yeah let's see so it looks like the <clears throat> the covid relief thing that they're working on would be for small businesses transportation education nutrition assistance healthcare, coronavirus testing and tracing vaccine distribution um they're talking about 300 dollars a week for unemployed people extra right. but it doesn't look like anything other than that so if you uh, still have a little bit of your $1,200 left from fucking March, good luck. At myself. Yeah, right. Finishes beer. Yeah, cue me literally <laughs> chugging the rest of my beer. After I had a job interview today, I'm just like, fuck. Yeah, dude. If they if they start giving unemployed people benefits after I get a job, I'm going to scream. Right. All right. Um. So thanks for listening. The only other thing that I have to say is... I, over the last week, have finished doing a lot of the paperwork stuff for the Moth Pit Podcast Network. If you didn't hear our last episode, we are now part of a podcast network 
that is going to have a lot of really cool shows on it. Um, I just finished signing up two other podcasts um, that are not currently running, but one of them is Two Witches Podcast. It's going to be hosted by our friend Sarah and Andrea, and they're going to talk about a whole bunch of really cool topics. If you like our show and you, you know, are a Hellier fan, um, and you like hearing about occulty stuff, you're going to really like that show. And they're both really cool people. So there's that. We have Chris, who's the Eternal Void with Jazz. I talked about in the last episode. Go listen to that. It's really good. And let's see. I guess I can't really say the other two yet. But I have a couple other ones that I have lined up. And um, they're going to be really cool. I'm very excited. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, One of them is Seth and Chelsea's podcast. They're working on finalizing everything for that. So if you remember our episode with Seth and Chelsea and you liked them, they're coming out with... I think two podcasts. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye out for all that and take a look at our website, which has a new page on it specifically for the Moth Pit Podcast Network. It's going to have all of our shows listed and all of the links for all of those shows so that you you guys can find everyone easily. And yeah, I'm really excited and I hope that you guys are too. I am. I'm very excited. Yay. But that's all I have to say. Well, that's great. Thanks, everyone, for listening again. If you have any weird paranormal stories to submit to us, you can go to our website at yourbrainonweird.squarespace.com. And it's the, uh, like, submission box is right on the front page, so it's very easy to access. And um, we did not do a little weird last month because of all the holidays, Um, But we will definitely try to get one out this month, and we would love to share some of your stories. Yeah, you can also find the links to all of our social media on there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yes. Yeah. There's also links to our Patreon on there and stuff. Yes. We just reformatted our Patreon, so if you hadn't signed up for it, um, because $5 a month was too much. We do have a new tier and it's three. It is three. $3 a month. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll still get you access to early episodes and uh, some other cool content that we're going to be putting on there. So check that out and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode. I'm Sam. I'm Jess. And this is Bryn. You're brain on weird. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.